ho ho and welcome to a special festive edition of the Celtic View podcast. The countdown to the big day is on and here to help you build up to Christmas and the full festive period is the Celtic View team, including a beardless Paul Cuddihy. My name is Martin Diel and I'm joined by my fellow reporter Mark Henderson and Celtic View editor Paul. Hello guys, welcome to the show. Good to be here Martin. Delighted to be here, thank you Martin. And we're all here to guide you through a jam-packed Christmas edition of the Celtic View podcast. Uh, now, Brendan Rogers boys have been very busy, almost as busy as jolly old St Nick, but instead of stuffing bags with toys and presents, they've been stuffing the competition in Scotland. And the champions aren't the only ones who've been hard at work, with the Celtic View team working their fingers to the bone to bring you a Christmas cracker of a magazine. Mark, why don't you kick us off this week with a rundown of what's in store for the readers over the festive period with the Christmas Celtic View. Yes, Martin, a festive feast uh, in the Celtic View Christmas edition. Um, lots and lots of great content. Um, first of all, you spoke to Brendan Rogers for a really fascinating in-depth interview about how things have gone so far this season. Um, you know, obviously so successful in the first six months of his tenure as Celtic manager. So many achievements to talk about so far, and hopefully many more to come. Um, I caught up with AP McCoy, a sporting superstar possibly the, the greatest jump jockey in history uh, for a really um, interesting interview about his soft spot for Celtic, uh, why he likes the club and also about some of his uh, racing highlights. So I'm sure a lot of readers will find that interesting. Um, also caught up with uh, Barry out of the Fratellis uh, to talk about their 10th anniversary tour. And also Baz is also a massive Celtic fan and he thoroughly enjoyed talking about Brendan Rodgers. Baz now. Baz. Yeah. <laughs> friend. <laughs> Music friend. Yeah, yeah um, well... Uh, I've I've, I've actually spoken to Barry um, (laughs) a couple of times since I've worked at The View and um, he is a bona fide Celtic fan, um, a a real diehard who, you know, went to the games growing up with his family and of course one of his most memorable moments in his his musical career was hearing his song, uh, the band song Chelsea Dagger, been played at Celtic Park as the goal celebration, most memorably after... Nakamura scored that incredible free kick against uh, Man United and you know that's something that we touch upon in the interview. Um, on top of that, uh, Paul, you caught up with Jim Kerr, uh, another uh, musical legend um, and another massive Celtic supporter as well for a, for a fascinating discussion. Yeah, I was just about to say to you, Mark, don't you forget about me, because obviously it is a glittering uh, prize oh. within the Celtic view, and obviously Storm Barbara about to hit Glasgow, but uh, it does sparkle in the rain, but that's enough simple minds. <laughs> Sorry, I apologise, but yeah, he's uh, obviously a, another high-profile Celtic fan. I, I'm not uh, you know, that friendly with him that I'd start dropping nicknames <laughs> and stuff like that, Mark. But, um, <laughs> J- he, JK. Yes, he spoke obviously with great enthusiasm about you know what's happening at the club just now under Brendan Rodgers and kind of drawn comparisons with you know the fact the managers come in, transformed basically the, the same team and, and made some additions similar to what happened back in the sixties when he'd started watching Celtic. He also you know speaks about they've got a new album. It's acoustic versions of of some of their famous songs. Uh, which is very good and, and they're, they're very enthusiastic about that. So a really interesting chat with him. Yeah, well, on top of that, Paul, um, we also I also caught up with uh, Stuart Armstrong uh, to look through his perfect playlist. Um, so we had a, had a good chat with, with Stu about... Um, what sort of music makes him tick? <laughs> Stu. I know, I, I know. Stu. Yeah, so it's not too bad. But um, yeah, uh, really, just it's a kind of tradition now in the, in the view at Christmas, Paul. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite features in the view, actually. And, you know, there's some brilliant, either, well, I'm not, not sure if brilliant is the right word, but some interesting choices. But it's always, you always, you know, you guys always choose a different candidate every year. And uh, I always think it's really entertaining to read. Always gives you an insight into yeah, absolutely, the, yeah. the players themselves. But the, the amount of times that you're up at Lennox Town, Mark, and you're you're near that dressing room, you're waiting for interviews, and you can hear music 
um, like coming out of the dressing room, you're always trying to think to yourself, right, who's in control of it today? Who's on jukebox duty? I think nine out nine times out of ten, it's probably Scott Brown as he is the captain. But I haven't heard too much happy hardcore up there, so maybe a few people infiltrating the playlist. Yeah, um, it's it's always uh, enjoyable when you can hear Scooter or something playing <laughs> out of the the Celtic dressing room. Um, but it is it's quite an eclectic uh, list, as, as, as Stu talks about that um, he has got a wide range in music taste and that does come across in his playlist and of course he does give us his favourite Celtic song and favourite Christmas number as well but that's something we can maybe look at upon later in the pod and uh, just a, a, another interesting feature I thought in, in the, the Christmas Eve was an interview with a, a fan called Terry Mulherin um, where he talks about um, serving the Lisbon Lions whilst working as a waiter so that, yep. 50 years ago I thought it was a really interesting uh, article and it was fascinating to hear his experiences of of working there and being around at that exciting time in the club's history as a supporter and you know just obviously with the 50th anniversary of the Lisbon Lions it was it was a nice touch I think to have it in the view. It's another example of the you know exclusive sort of content that you can only really get in the Celtic view with the say the contacts that we have here and the people that come to us with stories and it's just one of those things that just wouldn't get picked up anywhere else really so I, I think that kind of singles the Celtic View out and there's one of many reasons to uh, pick up the Celtic View Christmas edition as Mark has said uh, this festive period Absolutely yeah I mean all those stories I think are, are excellent and we've also got you know a whole raft of competition prizes it's, a, it's another tradition that what we do is we we always approach some of the, the club's major sponsors and, and they're always really generous and um, we've got some great prizes um, I think it's an iPhone 7 from the XL group who sponsors Celtic women's team a new pair of the New Balance Furon boots football boots from, from New Balance obviously and then Daffabet have given us this extraordinary prize of Basically, they've given us a, their hospitality box for the game against Aberdeen at the start of February. You know, it's a big, big game. Ten people come along, full hospitality, director's box seats. Um, so, you know, details on how to win that are in this uh, Celtic view. It is an incredible prize. And there's also lots of different Celtic goodies up for grabs as well. So, um, you know, there's great stuff for people to win. There's there's some quizzes, quiz for kids. There's also, uh, you know, a quiz for, for adults as well. Um, some Celtic questions, some questions about sport in general. So hopefully it's there's stuff that keeps you going, for, you know, for a few weeks over Christmas. And you know, if you haven't got it, then we always say it's a great stocking filler. And there's additional things that come with it as well. You get the big massive poster with a selection of team photographs from really poignant moments in the season, particularly the uh, League Cup triumph. Um, with Jozo Samirovic looking resplendent at the back there. Um, there's also the year planner as well, which is a fantastic way to keep up to date with everything Celtic. It's got anniversaries and everything like that uh, included in it, so really important dates here in the calendar. But the main thing that we're looking for you to, to pick up in the magazine for this Christmas is, is as it is for every week, is the, the interviews with the first-team players that we've got in it. And kicking us off... This week um, is Celtic defender Eric Sviachenko. Now, Sviachenko's been in and out the magazine uh, numerous times already this season, but we've never had an interview uh, like this where we get to speak to the Dane about his heritage, his, his cultural heritage and his cultural identity, how he's going to celebrate Christmas, and most importantly, what he likes to eat at Christmas. <laughs> He will have a, a big present as well Excellent. For, for the for the Christmas um, and and what we normally eat is either duck or goose. Right. Um, have you managed to source duck or goose in Scotland uh, uh, on Glasgow yet? I haven't checked yet, but checked it. it has to be soon that we're gonna yeah. go for exploring. And then we have um, called you would say it's sweet potatoes, but it is not sweet potatoes as as we know. The orange thing is like normal potatoes, right. and then you cover cover them in sugar so you put sugar on the pan and then it's car caramelized and then you cook it through, cook through cook it, it through so that, it's really right? nice and tasty and sweet lovely. Um, and then we have um, that's traditional Danish Christmas we're talking right. about and then we have uh, red cabbage right yep get that here uh, yeah. yep and what else do we have and then you have like it's pig with like a crust on, on top uh, crust we, we would have like sausage uh, with a thin strip of bacon wrapped around uh -huh. it. We call them chipolatas. Chipolatas, okay. But this is blankets. like a uh, like a big uh, 
meat of pig and then you have like on top is like okay. <laughs> crisp crispy uh, like bacon no or? it's not bacon it's it's the pork's um fat pork fat, fat. Yeah. Right, okay so it's just nice and crispy and yeah. when you chew it is nice that's perfect as well i'm really hungry <laughs> <laughs> so in general it's going to be nice and 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 in our family switching we always like embrace the christmas as something really special when we're together and last five or six years i've taken like it's my job to go and give christmas uh, gifts mm -hmm. so they're under the tree and i'll since i've maybe was 10 years old or something like that or 15 years old so my brother older brother is three years older than me he always were in charge of this but then he said okay i'm too older for this gave me the job so i was going under the christmas tree picking a present okay for for my dad mm -hmm. gave him and everyone was looking at my dad he's opening then i took a new one ah, for my sister and then so on and so on right okay um so that's my job right um, so it sounds like a christmas that's full of lovely traditions and a really nice atmosphere around the festive time yeah it is yeah um and then we have our family is really, really uh, little, Svechenko uh, family, only six people. Right. And now with William, obviously, seven and okay. Anna, eight. Uh, but in Anna's family, they're a huge family and they have like Christmas lunches. That's wow. really uh, a tradition in Denmark. So you go the 26th, right. you go for. Boxing Day. Yeah, right. you go for, uh, for Christmas lunches somewhere. It might be Anna's mother's uh, place or something or Anna's sister and Anna's mother's sister and we go everyone there and you have like a feast throughout the day right. and you have like a games and things like that okay so it's a big, big family it would always be a family yeah. home yeah. you wouldn't go out for no the, no it's always, always different places in the family you go right. like it will go on on a, on a round every year okay I mean what are your um, kind of Christmas memories Eric when someone says to you Christmas what's the picture that springs into your mind um, I always think about the house I grew up in in Denmark, in in the small city Viborg. Right. Uh, it's the old part of the of the of the town. You know, we had like a lovely big townhouse, and I always remember how much we enjoyed sitting in front of the table and and, and just having all these good memories. And when we go through videos now, mm -hmm. my father always videoed, yeah, so we filmed, can, it, yeah, right? filmed it. So we. When we when we were together now, we always watch some memories about it, and the joy upon our faces for for receiving a gift was just amazing. Yeah. And always, the thing like you always wanted to do something more when we grew up because of my father's really creative side as an artist. We also embraced that and we always did nice postcards or small collages or what else mm -hmm. we wanted to do, and then we wanted to impress our parents. Yeah. Uh, so that's my my good memories. Yeah. So Eric Svechenko there, or as I like to call him, ES, because we're best buds and all that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about his um, festive feast plans, and it definitely sounds like a feast. Um, he's going to be having three or four different days of celebration uh, due to uh, the Russian Orthodox uh, kind of religious side of his family, then he's got the Danish side of it, and he's uh, Anna's family as well. Um, so it sounds as if he's going to have a pretty unique Christmas, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I think first first of all, I'm sure the players are delighted that the, the game is on Christmas Eve, because it does give them Christmas Day, and then obviously maybe Boxing Day as well, before they have to start preparing for the game on the 28th. So it allows them to spend, because quite often I think they end up having to train on Christmas Day. But you're right, I mean, it's just, I think he's just a whole different mixture of cultures. And I think, you know, in the same way as he's completely embraced the whole aspect of being at Celtic and, and being here in Glasgow and in Scotland, then obviously that's part and parcel of, you know, he's the, the Christmas spirit for him. And it was interesting when you, when you either hear him or when you read the, the full piece and I think him and, and Anna, his, his, his partner, they'd said that the, it would be once they started a family, that's when they would have... So it's kind of their first I Christmas, that was really nice, yeah. you know. So now that they've they've got their wee boy, then that's their family. So they want to spend Christmas with him, obviously, and, and I'm sure it'll be a great time. But of you know, a lot of eating there. He's got that uh, hanging question. I'm not sure if it was included in the audio clip, but certainly it's in the the interview about whether he actually managed to get hold of a duck or a goose to celebrate <laughs> his traditional traditional uh, Christmas. What do you think, Mark? Well, I must say it was a, a mouth-watering discussion you had there with Eric. It's uh, possibly the uh, most excited I've heard you do an interview, Martin, talking about bacon and 
chipolatas and almost as every <laughs> almost as excited as that time in Austria when they served ribs at pre-season. Yeah, I just lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you can sense that in that interview. You, your your love of uh, food um, <laughs> it did come across. So, but I I mean I think what what you do. Uh, uh, get from that um apart from obviously the the food uh, discussion was that family is so fundamental to, to eric and um it was nice to hear him in the actual interview and in the view as well and uh, you hear, hear a snippet about that in the, the interview the audio interview as well that growing up in it was such an important time of the year for the whole sviachenko family they all got together they would always make a big deal of, of christmas time and I think it's a part of the, the year that he really relishes. And it's going to be different for him the first time that he's really having to play football at this at this point in the calendar. He's usually just going into his winter break in, in Denmark. So a strange time for him. But, it, you know, I think they're still going to make the most of it. And it's nice that his sister's uh, here as well. So it's an extra member of the family to spend Christmas with. I think this time of year it also edges him closer towards his sort of anniversary. Celtic obviously joining... Hard to imagine but he joined this year in the January transfer window. He's seamlessly fit in with the squad. And again, as you say, Mark, right now he would have probably already had about two weeks off in Denmark and then season not starting again until the end of February or March or something like that. So to think that when he joined Celtic, he was already out of action for the best part of six weeks and he came in and just slotted in so well. It's, it's remarkable. So it's a very special time of year for him. I mean, it is incredible that you forget that he's, you know, he hasn't spent a full year with us yet. And it's it's maybe, it's also maybe an indication of maybe what's going to happen this January that, you know, the manager's already beginning to look ahead to what happens in the summer. And they will look at somebody like Eric who had those six months to bed into the squad, get to know the players and has just hit the ground running this season and, you know, has become an integral part of our defence and that may be the same again. And, you know, I just think, I like his attitude, obviously on the part, but I just like his, his whole attitude to the club and, and just being here and totally embracing everything about it. Not only him, but his family. Obviously, you mentioned his sister's been over. She's been working with the foundation. His partner is a, is a player with the Celtic women's team. So they really just... The very very quickly become part of the kind of fabric of the club, and I, I really I always like that with a player because it means then that they they get it and and they settle in really quickly. They're really they've in, uh, integrated themselves into Glasgow, I think, as well because I know um, so his sisters come over to work with the foundation. Her partner um, is also working in a bakery in the south side of Glasgow as well. So it's just like you know, there's been no there's no fear. With them in that sense, you know they're 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 always positive and always wanting to get involved. But despite that sort of, you know, uh, self belief and that confident uh, attitude that Eric has, I was very interested to hear that his most memorable Christmas present that he got was uh, from his grandmother, and it was a bag of cashew nuts. Um, he talks about it later on in the piece, and basically uh, he said his grandmother, no matter how many times he spoke to her throughout the year or how few, uh, like, if he didn't speak to her that much, she still always knew exactly what he wanted for Christmas and he loved uh, cashew nuts and she just got him a big massive red bag of cashew nuts for uh, Christmas and that was him. He was delighted but I guess it's the simple things that <laughs> can make you happy when you're a young guy. Yeah, well I also noticed that he, he got Lego as well Lego so in, in of course he does yeah. seem to be Constructing a, a really good career. Well, he's, at he's, uh, so far. His brother actually works for Lego now. All right. Really? Yeah, his brother quite recently got a job with Lego. He's, he, when his sister spoke to the viewer, she he explained he just got a, a job there. So, um, and it was one of the first places when his parents moved from Ukraine to Denmark, and that was one of the Legoland was one of the first places. And and the older brother, he was only maybe two or three at the time, and they've got a picture of of their mum and dad with their older brother at Legoland right. and then he subsequently ends up working for Lego would you say he's building his career brick by brick now or I mean I mean, I, I, can't, I, can't, yeah, I, 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 I can't can't believe you just stole Mark's well, he said there. he's constructing a bit like Lego bricks that's a separate joke totally okay really. right anyway <laughs> um, so you can read the full interview from Eric Svechenko in this week's Celtic View and there's also uh, an added piece at the end um, some of our listeners and our followers on Twitter might remember that we ran a hashtag Ask Eric 
uh, piece on the Celtic View Twitter account, at Celtic View. We were absolutely bombarded with questions uh, from fans from all over. Actually, we got a few questions from Denmark as well. We sat down with Eric and he did his best to answer as many as we could. Obviously, time constraints, getting prepared for games and everything. But if you put, do pick up the magazine have a look at the back of Eric's interview and you'll see the fan questions. And if you also want to know if your question was answered or not, head to at Celtic View on Twitter and check out our last couple of tweets and you'll see we've tagged the people in there um, who were lucky enough to get their questions answered. Now, moving on to the next part of the podcast, a slight change of pace, but still kind of sticking with football, but uh, bringing it into one of our more kind of light-hearted features of the Christmas edition. And Paul you'll be able to fill us in on what that is. Yeah, I mean, again, as, as Mark had said right at the start of the programme, we always try and put, as well as football features, just other things, and we try and speak to some of the celebrity celts. So I'd caught up with Jim Kerr. They're just in the middle of doing rehearsals for a tour that's already launched. They were they were going to play in Germany, but you know when he, when he heard the Celtic view, wanted to speak to me, he was happy to, to take a bit of time and chat about, as I say, Celtic, Brendan Rodgers, his own memories of, of growing up, and also about the the band's plans for the future, which was was quite fascinating to listen to. It's it's always good, I think, to to tap into these kind of people that you are aware of them being uh, Celtic fans, but you, you never really get to hear them talk about it because when they do their press and their promos for their new releases, no one's talking to them about the football club they support. They're always just talking to them about the musical release, and you sometimes find that they enjoy it as a break from the norm, and they, you know, they can be quite effusive about their uh, love of the club. So uh, we'll bring you that next. So here's Paul speaking to Jim Kerr of Simple Minds, and of course, don't forget. All of the audio clips that you're listening to in this week's podcast, you can get the full interviews in this week's Christmas Celtic View. How, how's your feeling of life under Brendan? Uh, I take it you've been impressed by what he's done? Yeah, I think everybody must be. I mean, when you think it's only five months or six months and... Uh, God, if we were to make the same progress over the next year, never mind six, six months... Uh, that would be something. I mean, you know, the chief characteristics that are there, apart from winning, bringing pride back, playing in a Celtic manner, all that stuff. That, yes. I mean, we're, <laughs> we are a particular club. We're the only club, happened back to this time last year, the only club where you can um, win the league twice in a row and you enter the stadium or, or, or you... Or you get the sack. <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't it good enough for Celtic to win? We all know that. Yeah. It's crucial that they do, but perhaps more crucial than that is the manner and the style and the play and the attitude and all those things. And yeah. that, and that's that's what's back. And and you got to put it down to him. I mean, players players that won their shadow or what you know last year won their shadow of what they are just just now and. Uh, I mean, no, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of exalted name to throw in, but it did make. They were talking about that on the radio the other day about the amount of Celtic players. Did these players not play for the previous manager and that stuff? And I was thinking, you know, the Lisbon Lions, Steen only had one change. Celtic had been regarded as being poor for years before Steen came in. Yeah. And 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 the team that won the European Cup was all players that had been there before Steen. Um, Apart from Willie Wallace, and so that's that's what uh, that's what an impressive manager can do. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd mentioned to Tony as well about the um, talking about the, the acoustic album which comes out. You must be pleased with with how that's come out. It's, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, as a fan, it's interesting just to hear these songs that are so familiar to you, but then completely reworked. And uh, that's right. You know, it was something that was something that had always been dangled in front of us, and we. We, we weren't sure it was our thing, and, and we were scared that it would be boring. You know, there's a kind of, um, there's a stigma. As soon as you hear acoustic, you imagine two guys sitting in stools with six candles around them, you know, and, and <laughs> you kind of go, I don't know about this. Uh, but we've tried to do it our way, and it's acoustic, but it's still got energy. It's uplifting. It's, yeah. uh, it's got atmosphere. It's 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 been amazing. It's, it's, it's doing real, real well, which... Uh, um, which is always good. 
how difficult it was to choose from from your whole uh, catalogue of songs over the years t to boil it down to the ones that are actually ended up on the album? Yeah, that, that's always a... Uh, I mean, we've written, I think, some of mine's have got more than 250 songs, but I kind of, I suppose with this, there might be a volume two, who knows, but this, this first one, we looked on it kind of as we look at when we do gigs, you know, there's, there's a big songs where when I say obliged, I mean it, I don't mean it in a, a negative sense. It's a song you're obliged to play, it'd be perverse naughty, and then you try and go right back to the early days and have something, you try and do something current, you try and maybe put in a cover song, a great cover song that perhaps isn't well-known, and a few surprises, and, you, you know, you, you're trying to have things that are really upbeat, you're trying to have things that are slow, so... so we kind of look at things like that and make the choices based on on all of those sort of points, really. So, Paul Cadahy there speaking to Jim Kerr from Simple Minds, and Jim, uh, fully of the belief that Celtic are alive and kicking under Brendan Rodgers, Paul. Decent, Martin, decent. I know it's taking you about 20 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> I could see, actually, people can't see you, just the way your, your mind was working there. But Yeah, the sound of the cogs will be edited <laughs> out later on as well. I mean, it's he he, he does admit in the, in the full interview that he was spoiled as a Celtic fan because he grew up, his earliest memories, I think he was about seven when we won the European Cup in 67. So his earliest memories are of Celtic being the best team in Europe and of watching, you know, the the Lisbon Lions, you know, at their, their very peak of their powers. So after that, it's always difficult, I think, with every subsequent Celtic team and, and with future generations when you're comparing it to that. But he, he, the point he makes is that, you know, there's some, you know, the majority of the squads that we've got this season have been so impressive for their last season and maybe some fans were thinking, you know, we, we need to freshen it up. And actually, the difference when, when you get a manager... You know, the manager's come in and he's, you know, the players are just revitalised and, you know, some of them are playing the best football that I think we'll, we've seen them, them playing in Celtic jerseys and he he makes that comparison that the, the majority of, of the team that won in Lisbon, the majority of the team that dominated in that 66-67 season were already there before Jockstein arrived. I mean, he made a couple of additions, obviously brought Joe McBride in, he brought Willie Wallace in, but the majority of them were all there beforehand. Um, he'd worked with them, obviously, in, in the late 50s. But, you know, it's a, it's a good point to make that, you know, that's what a, a really good manager can do. He can just, whatever it is, he's, in terms of his man management, identifying what the players need, what they need to do. And, and, and you can see that this season with Brendan Rodgers. And obviously, as a fan, Jim Kerr's just as, as enthusiastic as we all are. It's an interesting uh, comparison and point for him to make as well. It, it, something similar was said to me by John Hartson when I spoke to him for the... Barcelona programme recently and he had said um, that Martin O'Neill his main attribute was being able to get the best out of players and you know, fair enough the, the sums of money that players were purchased for at that time were a lot greater than what we have in the modern era of Scottish football uh, but they were still far lower than what other teams in the UK were doing but he still managed to get these guys who you know hadn't totally hit the heights elsewhere and turned them into world beaters and you know f you know bring out diamonds like a, a young Sean Maloney and everything like that at the club so it's um it bodes well for Brendan Rodgers really if he's uh echoing sentiments like that and being compared to people like that yeah i mean it's uh, it's one of those things that management is you know recruitment is vital but man management is possibly the most crucial element in, in being a manager. Uh, and when you look at all the successful managers, they're always able to get that extra 10 or 20% out of players that other managers can't do. And Brendan Rodgers seems to be doing that at Celtic. So many players have really developed and prospered in the, the past six months at the club. When you looked at Martin O'Neill when he came into the job, there were players like Stylian Petrov who suddenly elevated to another level. He got the best out of... You know, Didier Gatti brought in and made him a right wing back, one of the best players really in the country at that time, and he was so effective in Europe. Bobby Peta, who'd been out the team, he made him a, a left wing back as well and was so effective, particularly in that first season. So you, when you look at Martin O'Neill, when you look at Brendan Rodgers, they just seem to have that, that magic, that, that, that 
psychological ability that they can go into a dressing room and somehow spark that extra performance from players. And it's so interesting for me because, you know, how do they do that? that that's something that always fascinates me. Yeah, and one of the one of the points, the other point Jim Kerr makes, and again, maybe it's just a sign of getting older as well, that it's not. he says it's not just watching Celtic win. You always, obviously always want to see Celtic win, but it's the manner in which we do it. And again, that gets back to maybe him being spoiled watching Celtic growing up. But I think, I think again, he's see what he's seen now is that it's not just the way the fact that we're winning, but it's the manner in which we're winning. And as as for him, that's that's really important as it is for all of us as, as Celtic fans. Uh, that line when he said, um, "I I don't need Celtic to win all the time, although I'd always want them to win, but I need them to be a Celtic that I can identify with." And that's what the Celtic fans are feeling just now. And I think everyone, so he's got it with the the Lions. I remember growing up. Um, seen Tommy Burns Celtic uh, and it was at a time you know it was, it was a really hard time uh, for Celtic I was very young so I didn't understand the significance of five or six trophyless years but the team played with a heart at times and that's what helped kind of cultivate my identity as a Celtic fan because it was like you know we'll always keep going we'll always try and play fu- football the right way and Brendan Rodgers has that and even we're on this incredible winning run just now domestically. But you speak to him after a match, and if the performance hasn't hit the heights that he was looking for, even if we win 1 0, 2 0, 2 1, the points are on the board, but he's still looking to entertain the fans. And I think if you hold true to that principle, then it can it can give you a long career, and hopefully that, that long career is at Celtic. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's, you know, as, as Mark said, that's the. The, the sign of a great manager and you know it resonates with all of us as fans and you know I could relate to what Jim was saying because obviously I'm I'm slightly older than, than both of you although anybody who's maybe been following Twitter would realise that I have lost about 10 years from <laughs> shaving off the beard but you know it is it's always good when you when you hear somebody like that a, a celebrity and you know they you know they've been in the, the sort of music game for so many years and and again it's obviously not quite the same comparison but he was he was making the point and and they, they knew what they've done is they've gone back and as i said at the start reworked some of their old classics into new songs and it was that idea that they don't want to be complacent they don't want to just do what everybody's expected of them they always want to test themselves and th- and thinking that the next thing they could bring out could be the one that they could, it could they could fail, but they have to keep doing it. And um, as a, as a family, I remember, you know, obviously from my teenage years, that's when they kind of hit the heights of of their, their kind of rock pop stardom. But it's it's actually really interesting to hear them doing different things. And there's a real enthusiasm when he, when he talks about his music as well as about Celtic. I find that re- really refreshing to hear because from a musical standpoint, it's very. Uh, you need to be very brave to change your style, particularly if you were, uh, you know, a band that was part of a groundbreaking movement. Like when you think about music in the eighties, you think about sort of synth pop rock like that, like like Duran Duran as well, Tears for Fears and stuff like that. They're the bands that spring to my mind. But you don't build a long-lasting career by doing this, the same stuff unless you're Slayer. Because uh, they have literally just released the same album for four years in a row. Well, he says they've got that. That sounds just a big stadium sound. But actually, the reality is, look, the songs just started with him and, and Charlie Burchill with a guitar and singing, and that's what they've they've done. So it's it is it is very refreshing to hear that. I always like when when stadium rock bands, as you you would probably categorise Simple Minds, particularly in the eighties really do the stripped down versions of acoustic versions like obviously I'm a big Stones fan um, as any good musical connoisseur will be and they've done quite a they've done a, a couple of albums like that and it, it's always really uh, I always find it really enjoyable to hear these songs just stripped down to the basics and uh, there's some really good live albums as well that they've done in that way so it is, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the Simple Minds acoustic one because it's something I've not heard of and most of my simple minds knowledge is, you know, they're kind of greatest hits from the eighties and new gold dreams and things. So to to hear them do the acoustic versions is it'll be really really good. It'll be nice for you as well, Mark, because obviously those songs were really poignant for you during your teenage years in the nineteen eighties. So it's a chance to kind of relive some old memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, 
Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Your, yeah, I know. It's, it's, That's the second well, time we're moving on. Yeah, well, <laughs> since you are what two years younger than me, three, two and a bit. Yeah, three. So, right, come on, children, stop <laughs> arguing. <laughs> so, uh, well, sticking with the musical theme, actually, now, of course, you can read the the full interview from Jim Kerr, as we say, in the Christmas edition of the Celtic View, which is out. Um, we'll be the only one in the shops until the 5th of January, which is when we return in the new year. Yes, hopefully to uh, report, uh, record and celebrate a Derby win in Hogmanay. That would be a great way to usher in the new year. Um, but before we kind of think, bring things to a close, we do have one more interview to let you hear and it's from Stuart Armstrong. Now Stuart is the musical maestro in the Celtic View this week. He's given Mark Henderson his perfect playlist which is a varied <laughs> and interesting playlist to say the least Mark isn't it? It is you know a real uh, eclectic uh, selection from Stu you know ranging from the likes of Paul Simon to things from the the Jersey Boys, the Killers, some bands that I hadn't heard of before, which always makes you feel <laughs> that you're getting a bit old when someone tells you what songs they're listening to and you have to Google them after. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a real mix of stuff. Um, a bit of Dire Straits in there as well, Simon and Garfunkel, John Mayer, uh, and of course uh, a couple of his... Uh, Celtic and Christmas choices as well. Chris Rea driving home for Christmas is his favourite festive song. Which really disappointed me. That's There are some great Christmas songs out there and that's not one of them. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. for Stuart though, he may have literally driven home for Christmas a few times from Dundee United to Inverness or something. It's still I, no excuse. I'll defend yeah. it. I like it. Also like Chris Rea's other road-themed song, The Road to Hell. Um but that's it. It's only the driving-related ones that I like. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was the natural uh, choice this year because we did uh, speak to Gary Mackay-Steven last Christmas. And of course, Gary and uh, Stu shared a flat at this point last year. So uh, Gaz used to serenade Stu with some of his guitar <laughs> tunes. Obviously, Gaz likes to play a bit of guitar. Gaz. Gaz. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? This is because uh, having spoke to S Stu <laughs> so many times recently, that's what he obviously calls Gary Mackay Stephen. I wish, the, I wish so, the listeners could see the hand movements you're doing when you <laughs> say their names. Yeah, so on, so, on Mark's business cards, it's Mark Henderson, friend of the stars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought it'd be nice to follow um, in Gary Mackay's footsteps for, for for Stu to step into the spotlight. And uh, he does mention Gary's guitar playing skills in this uh, edition as well. So plenty plenty of interesting stuff from the Celtic midfielder, who is, of course, on song on the pitch as well at the moment. Ah, nice. Uh, now, speaking of his uh, on-the-pitch exploits, we're going to leave the, the music behind and let the listeners pick up the view, and you can read that full feature. Uh, but what we will do is give you a look ahead to Stuart Armstrong's interview in the upcoming match against Ross County. Uh, now, Stuart has been in fantastic form for the club, uh, a real re resurgent player underneath Brendan Rodgers and that whole progress kind of reached a peak when he was given the captaincy as a stand-in for Scott Brown in the recent match against Dundee when the captain was out uh, due to suspension. Now, I spoke to Stuart after the victory over Partick Thistle earlier on in the week and he was only too happy to talk about his journey at Celtic so far. Now, Obviously, in the match programme, you'll be able to read the full interview if you're coming to the game. But this will give you an idea about what he's talking about and some of the most poignant moments of 2016 for him. Yeah, a very nice experience, obviously. Something I hadn't thought about. Um, very much an honour for me to, to do that. And, um, very kind of a gaffer to give give it to me in, in Bruni's absence. And, um, it's nice to, for him to show faith in me like that. And, uh, I'm just happy we won the game to keep the, keep the run going. He said afterwards that your progression this season kind of encapsulates what he wants from his players at Celtic. He said you're a symbol for hard work at Celtic. How does something like that make you feel? Obviously happy that um, the way I've been working and the way 
I've been performing, uh, you know, pleases him and contributes to the team and uh, him valuing me as a, as a good team member. So that that pleases me and obviously being here at the start and working hard to get myself back in and training well. And, um, it's very much a, you know, a period of learning and, and improving and, and building gradually and, and seeing rewards out of the pitch. Those are just words that he's saying, but it's kind of put it into action by giving you the captaincy for that one-off game. What did it feel like at, at the time? Did you think all this work has paid off? You know? uh, no, I think it's a difficult game football sometimes when you work so hard for something and um, you get a run in the team and then once you're there, it's not over. You need to keep contributing in some way and doing your best for the team. Um, and I do that by working hard and improving my defence. Um, chipping in with goals and assists and obviously the captaincy was a huge honour and you know my dad was there to watch and um, you know it was nice for both of us. Now that man there said after the match as well you've got captain material written all over you. Now he's your pal but you have captain Scotland under 21 level, Dundee United as well so there's a legacy there. Um, do you have aspirations to you know to be a captain of Celtic one day? Uh, I've no idea. I mean, it's just come naturally to you to, to be in that role. Yeah, sometimes it has. Um, obviously, Billy Stark made me captain for the 21s, which is a, which is a huge honour for me. And, um, I really enjoyed that uh, experience um, with Dundee United as well. When when a few senior players were out, you, uh, Jackie McNamara made me captain. That was another honour for me. Um, and then again, to to have it here is a different honour entirely. Obviously, you've got Scott Brown, who's been the captain for many years now, and uh, very much epitomises the club, and uh, in many ways. So, it was an honour to, to do it in his absence. Do you see Scott as a bit of a role model for you, Stuart? Yeah, in many ways. I think the because he plays central midfield is where I want to play in the way. I remember when I first came in and seeing him in, in training, and you know, in awe of how hard he worked. Even in a training session, I wasn't used to that level of intensity every day. Um, so that was, um, you know, a revelation for me of, uh, of where I wanted to be. And, um, it's good to have somebody with that level of experience in the middle that can help you in every game. Was it symbolic then to, maybe, to be given that captaincy for the, the one day and fulfil that role to kind of be the Scotland replacement for that one match? I don't think anyone could ever be his replacement, I think. Um, that's a nice way to say it. I mean, that's yeah. shows you um, what he's done at the club. Yeah, I don't think he can be replaced. I think, in his absence, um, it was you know a great honour for me to take the captaincy and lead the team out, and a good experience for me to do that. Um, and I hope I did it justice. And uh, you know I'm really happy. I just um, you know didn't alter anything. Just that we kept the kept the good performances going and kept the wins going. So there you are, listeners. That's a short couple of clips of everything that's available for you to read in the Celtic View Christmas edition of the magazine. Uh, can't reiterate how much it's packed with uh, Celtic content and sort of off-diary features as well. And of course, loads of brilliant competitions. Not showing favouritism in any way, but particularly that Daffabet competition. The winners of that will have a... It's really a once-in-a-lifetime experience to have hospitality of that level at the home of the champions. So be sure to pick up the magazine and have a look at it. Um, before we just move on to Paul, I'm just going to ask you guys briefly if you could give us, just off the top of your head, a highlight uh, of the Celtic view since the start of the summer this year or even 2016 before we close off for the end of the year. Start with yourself, Paul. A highlight of this season? Yep. Oh, you're putting us on the spot now. Um it's really difficult, actually. Um, I can't. I mean, I think. I think sometimes people don't quite appreciate the amount of, of work that goes in. I mean, the view's just been there every week. It's out every Wednesday. It's been doing the, the same since 1965. And I just think, week in, week out, I think we do. We, we bring a really high level of journalism, a high level of reporting. You know, the fact that papers are often and always lifting our content is is testimony to that. And. I just think it's, it's it's what I think for me has been great is that you know the managers come in. He grew up as a Celtic fan. He grew up as a reader of the Celtic View, so he was very aware of of the view, how important it is, and you know I think that's reflected in how supportive 
he's been since day one of the magazine and some of the the interviews we get with him, I think in the Christmas interview where he, he talks about what he's doing on Christmas morning back home and when he goes back home to Ireland, I think it's just, you know, epitomises just that exclusive content and how he's always so open with us. So I think just his enthusiasm and support of the, the magazine has been a real highlight. Excellent. And yourself, Mark? Yeah, well, just pretty much reiterating what Paul said as well. I think um, since Brendan Rogers has arrived at the club, I think that first day, um, when he was paraded at Celtic Park in the summer. Um, I know it wasn't part of this season Celtic view, but that was a, a really special day, just that, that wave of enthusiasm enthusiasm and excitement enveloping the club again and optimism. And it's just continued from then on. Obviously, from a, a personal point of view, um, getting to the Champions League again was just wonderful. Just to see Celtic back at that stage and in European football again, where we belong, and to have those magnificent nights back at Celtic Park uh, was, was sensational. Um, obviously, myself and, and you, Martin, did the, the commentary out in, in Beersheva. Uh, we had that That epic was a highlight. <laughs> this is one of the best <laughs> nights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of epic uh, end to our commentary uh, where we just celebrated all things Celtic. <laughs> Shouted words. Yeah. <laughs> that, it, was just, it was just that euphoria, that relief, uh, that outpouring of emotion. It, it was great. And, you know, and when you're working for Celtic, that's, you know, that's the real magic of, of working here at the club and part of those memorable moments. And to be part of those Champions League nights again was great. And, as I say, it was just fantastic to be there and, and watch Celtic play that type of football against really illustrious opposition. I would agree with both of you. Um, I think the fact that Brendan Rodgers is on side with the Celtic view is just fantastic for us. He knows what it's all about. Um, and that night in Beersheva was just incredible. Not just because they played the Undertaker's theme music at halftime, but obviously because we got into <laughs> the Champions League. Uh, and for a personal one for me... The story that stands out for me uh, this year, particularly you know the second half of the year, it was to do with Scott Brown, his decision to retire from international football, and then his decision to reverse that and come back uh, and make himself available. Now, the nature of our work means that you're not always digging for exclusives, in that kind of newsy sort of sense. But this was one time where Scott was good enough to sit down with the club's official magazine and give his side of the story. And I just thought it looked really good for the mag to be able to get something that no one else was going to get. Now, fair enough, everybody lifted it, but that's good. That exposed exposed the story and went out there. But a personal message for to Scott for doing that as well because he didn't have to. It was at a stressful time and um, everyone was hounding him for the story, but he elected to do it with the Celtic view, and uh, we all appreciate it, I'm sure. Yeah, and I, and, and just a, a seamless link, I just want to thank him for um, being part of the, the charity beard shave, and he agreed to, to shave my beard off. Uh, I've had it, for, had it for over two years, um, and decided to shave it off to raise money for Celtic FC Foundation's Christmas appeal. It does mean I'm going to have to get a new picture for the front of the Celtic view, but the you know, Scott Brownie absolutely relished the opportunity to tackle the Clippers. But I just wanted to say to everybody who donated, uh, thanks very much. Not only just to donate to, to my appeal, but obviously to the overall Christmas appeal. I think it raised nearly a quarter of a million pounds, which is just extraordinary to help a lot of people. And it's just, it really is, you know, the heart of, of who we are as a club and supporters. So, for me to do a wee bit, and it was a bit of good fun for me. But, you know, I think what the foundation do is just remarkable. I think it's outstanding and it really should be the kind of takeaway story from the end of the year you know we've obviously got a massive football match to be played uh, in the last day of the year but uh, as you as you say Paul for the club's charitable arm to have raised that amount and it's the fans that have done that um, and so anyone who thinks that Celtic's identity has been lost in the modern corporate world they're, they're wrong so that's a, a, a lovely Christmas story and a lovely way for us to finish. Uh, Paul, can people still donate to the, the Beard fundraising? 
Yeah, the, the link is still there. It's on, on the website story until the 31st of December. Okay. Um, so, so if anybody can still do that, it'd be great. Yeah, if you're listening to this, then chuck a couple of pounds at that. It's all going to a great cause. Uh, and just one last time, make sure you pick up the Celtic View uh, Christmas edition. It's the only one that you'll get in the shops until the 5th of January when we return on a Thursday. Uh, for the first time since I can remember, it's a one. It's a one week only because obviously the, the Monday deadline day, the printers are closed. We've done it occasionally when in the past when there's been a Champions League game on a Tuesday, but yeah, it's just for one week only. For one week only, so another special edition coming to you in January. It'll be packed full of Celtic content, and after that, it'll be every Wednesday again until the end of the season. So until the next time, thank you very much for listening. I'm Martin Biel, and I've been joined with Mark and Paul. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas to everyone and a happy new year and hail hail. Hail, hail, the Celts are here. What the hell do we care now? High up on the roll of fame, the Celtic Bay of Mr. Name. They're vanquished all before the Memphis Bowl. They're the boys of white and green, the finest that we've ever seen. And we follow them no matter where they go. Jump is off the